This is All the Cool Parts number 8 for April 23rd, 2010. This week on All the Cool Parts, we're going to be discussing one of the newest and fastest growing outlets for classical music, and it may not be what you expect. Uh, We're going to discuss video game music, and uh, specifically in this episode, music for the game that's made by Blizzard Entertainment, the massively multiplayer online role-playing game known as World of Warcraft. So, why talk about World of Warcraft? Why talk about video game music? Uh, so far, it's a uh, fledgling. I mean, uh, video games, music for video games didn't really even start until the 1980s. And it's only just now, in this decade, well, I, I guess it, um, you could argue that it had its uh, started to come into its own uh, in the nineties, but certainly in this decade, uh, the music has really started to come into its own. Uh, there are many, many, many game studios out there that are producing games like world of Warcraft and other types of games. And more and more they're wanting and the players themselves are kind of demanding better music, bigger music, more epic music, orchestral music, Um, you know, the little 8-bit music of Nintendo just doesn't cut it anymore. And uh, that's why we're talking about this music, um, and especially for uh, the music of World of Warcraft today on today's show. Uh, This music is having a huge impact, especially on the young generation, millions. And I'm just talking about World of Warcraft here, not including all the other games out there. Uh, just World of Warcraft alone, millions upon millions of people are not just playing this game, but listening to this music and listening to it outside of the game, going to concert halls to hear orchestras play this music. Uh, this is something that 
really is going to have a giant impact on the rest of this century, on the music of the rest of this century, on the composers of the rest of this century, and uh, something that can't be written off and ignored uh, any longer. Um, We have a very special guest on our show today to uh, help us uh, with this music. Our guest is Randy Jordan, and Randy co-hosts the number one World of Warcraft podcast on the internet called The Instance, along with Scott Johnson, who... uh, Scott Johnson runs Frog Pants Studios. It's a, a collection of many different podcasts, and um, they're all very great. Many of them focus on gaming and technology, um, but I know they recently re- uh, added the uh, uh, podcast that's hosted by Brian Ibbett called Coverville. This is a music podcast where he plays nothing but covers. It's a great podcast, one of my favorites. And uh, I also mentioned that they run... Uh, Randy's also on FilmSack, which I also love. <laughs> um and check that out if you get the chance. And so on today's show, you get to hear me totally geek out over this music, like you've never heard me geek out before. But more importantly, Randy and I discuss this music and we take this music seriously uh, because this music needs and deserves to be taken seriously. So I think I'll go right into my interview slash co-hosting with Mr. Randy Jordan. We are here with Randy Jordan from the number one podcast. I think I'm right in saying that. Is that right? I suppose that's that's all right. Uh, it's the number know, it's one. Got a, it's wow got a podcast. name other than the number one podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was making sure I got that right. The number one Wow podcast, the instance. Um, he's also on another great podcast that I love and that uh, you guys should all check out called Film Sack. And um, he's here with us today on All the Cool Parts to talk about the music of World of Warcraft and the kind of rise of video game music. And uh, I wanted to start just by talking to you, Randy, about your musical background. I know you've kind of hinted, you know, about this on the instance from time to time. Um, but I really want you to tell us, you know, your musical background, you know, how you got into this music and, um, yeah. Well, uh, when I was four years old, my mom couldn't keep me away from her piano. And so she figured the best way to convince a child they don't want to have anything to do with an instrument is to give them lessons. And <laughs> it just it just happened that a very talented piano teacher lived in the town I grew up in. So my mother approached her. She said, I won't, uh, you know, I won't teach a child until they're at least five years old. And then uh, the day after I turned five years old, I started taking piano lessons and uh, continued with her until the day she died, like 10 years later. And wow. so everything about my musical background is grounded in the classics, in Bach and Chopin, Beethoven, and you know Rachmaninoff, and uh, and with a with a really heavy piano emphasis, so I am a classically trained musician, and 
if I could ever possibly make any money doing it, that's uh, what I'd be doing for a living. But there are a very small number of people who can, and mm -hmm. I didn't go to school to learn composition or direction or anything like that. So I, uh, I'm not actually uh, performing ever for money. But I am a huge fan of the classics. I'm a big collector of classical music. And there is no doubt that in this modern 21st century time we happen to live in, that the new classical music is uh, being composed all the time by great composers who are working on films and video games. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the next point that I wanted to get to was um, really my, I think my audience for my podcast, I think we have to assume that most of them, uh, up to maybe 99%, uh, are not gamers. They don't know what World of Warcraft is. And uh, they're just not aware of the state of video game music right now. Um, I think that video game music in this century is really, really coming of age, just like film music did in the last century. And uh, I think World of Warcraft is an excellent example uh, of that. And uh, I, I completely agree. And that's that's something that's I still, uh, you know, if if I hadn't really experienced myself, I would have a hard time accepting it. You know, I, if you haven't seen any great films in the last 50, 60 years, it might be difficult to accept that incredible composers are arranging, you know, an hour and a half of, of really fantastic classical music for film scores. And I think the same holds true for video games. I think if you haven't, uh, you know, you haven't experienced some of this, it, it's going to be hard to believe just how much fantastic, award-winning, moving, new and and excellent sounding music are being churned out by uh, composers like we're going to talk about today, like Jason Hayes and, and Russell Brower. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing about this music are a couple different things that differentiate it from really any music that came before it is uh, like, you know, we were talking about film music and usually, almost always, when you're talking about a film score, it's done by a single composer and it's, you know, once it's done, it's done, you know, it's static, it's an hour and a half, it's, that's the way it's going to be and usually it's not going to change for the most part. Um, and this music in particular, you have, just like you said, multiple composers contributing to this overall work and you have the music constantly in a state of evolution. Um, right. Yeah. So this is one of the fascinating things. I, I, I There's a lot of fascinating things that I think uh, are inherent in this music, but that's one of them that I just really uh, think is unique to this new, uh, you know, kind of genre uh, that's giving this music new life, you know, and sort of injecting life into classical music and um, I wanted to talk about the composers. You mentioned Jason Hayes and Russell Brower. Um, also, uh, Derek Duke and Glenn Stafford uh, contributed music. And uh, let's talk about Jason Hayes first, because um, he did a lot of the music on the original game and then on the first expansion, Burning Crusade. 
and I believe he's not with Blizzard anymore. Is, that's right. That's right. He, um, Jason had had worked with Blizzard on on some previous games, and and done fantastic work. And he really, uh, this guy poured a tremendous amount of effort into the original World of Warcraft soundtrack. And of course, you know, when you put out a video game like this, you you probably put all your eggs in one basket because you really don't expect there to be years and years and hours and hours more to come in in the musical composition, right? Mm-hmm. And and it really, it, it to me, it, it kind of it's the culmination of Jason Hayes' work as a as a video game composer. He, uh, I, I haven't really noticed anything uh, done by him since that that bulk. Yeah, and, on, and his, I, on his website it says that he's currently working on an unnamed MMO. So he, he may he may be uh, yeah. quietly, uh, you know, working out outside the box for Blizzard. But who knows? It could that that could mean anything. the The point here is that guys like Jason Hayes and probably my favorite uh, composer who works primarily on video games is Jeremy Soule. Um, guys like these, they're young, they're incredibly talented, they are just steeped in the full depth of, of uh, classical music and, and orchestrated music going all the way back, and they're capable of anything. The reason that they find so much traction in video games is because there are so many companies making so many video games that want a grand symphonic score. The fact is, uh, you can't just break into the film scoring business, uh, not, not unless you're willing to just kind of give yourself away. It's a, it's a very insular community of a handful of composers who seem to work on everything. You can break into the video game compo- composing business and that's what the younger composers are doing that's that's where they're starting yeah and um before <laughs> i realized um we should before we go any further and I, I can let you take this if you want um maybe we should just explain a little bit of what world of warcraft is to my audience wow that's a that's a very open ended uh, <laughs> statement it's well, okay. So it's a video game, right? It's a yeah. game you play at your computer. And uh, what what World of Warcraft is is referred to is a massively multiplayer online game. So that means that uh, literally thousands of people who are playing at the same time are interacting with one another. There's a a static world that is created by the game and and hosted somewhere in the world. And all of us who are playing together hook into that that environment. And we're represented by a character on the screen who can move around and interact with other players' characters in those realms. Mm -hmm. Um, Without, you know, really uh, belaboring the point, you, you are then able to play a game, go on adventures, kill monsters, collect whatever uh, treasures they've got, and and so on and so on with other people in real time acting alongside you virtually right so uh and, and as we go along and we get into the music a little bit later uh we'll be getting more into i don't know just describing the environments 
the stories, the characters, these kind of things that inspired this music directly. And um, okay, so that was a little tangent. I need to get that out of the way. <laughs> Let's go well, over I think to. It's, uh, I think it's reasonable to say with video game music, you are you're kind of talking about the same thing as film score music. You're talking about about orchestral uh, uh, composition uh, music that it's used as the bed of the mood for what the player is experiencing. The same as when you go to the movies and you're watching Bruce Willis run along a catwalk, there's music playing underneath and it underscores what that character on the screen is experiencing, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is... um... That brings up another point. This is why I think that World of Warcraft and games like this are kind of the 3.0 version of this uh, idea. Because I think um, in, originally, you know, you had you could have a piece like uh, I don't know Modest Mussorgsky's pictures pictures in an exhibition, right? Where he writes all these pieces based on his impressions of these paintings. And so then you can uh, listen to the piece and you can go look at all these different paintings and experience maybe what he was experienced through looking at these paintings. Then maybe the 2.0 version is movies where you go to the movies and you can sit in a theater and watch this moving picture of what the music uh, is trying to convey. The reason I think this world of Warcraft is a 3.0 is because you can go even further than that and not just sort of look at the environments that inspired the music. You can actually interact with the environments, you know, inside them. And, um, right. so, yeah. so that makes, that makes it both a more dynamic, uh, playground for composers yeah. and a much more challenging co- compositional problem because with, with a film, uh, when someone realizes uh, a big secret and swings their head, uh, towards the camera, you have to have the music punch the audience in the ears and let them know <laughs> that something really exciting is happening. Yeah. In a video game like World of Warcraft, the player could be doing anything and it's not really it's not really reasonable to expect music to tailor itself to the player's mood the way it does in a in a film to the character's situation. So with with video games, you have to have music tailor itself to the environment that they're in and also what you kind of expect the player to be going through when they're in that environment. Mm-hmm. The the composer's challenge is much greater as a result because he has to write something that's that's meaningful and memorable, but he doesn't have the uh, the predictive ability to have any idea what the the, the player is going to be experiencing otherwise. So <clears throat> for example, in uh, uh, probably my favorite ga- game uh, score of all time was the video game Total Annihilation. What uh, what Cave Dog and uh, uh, Jeremy Sewell did was they wrote a bunch of pieces and they stuck them all in the soundtrack. And then as you're playing the game, when you go on the attack, the game starts playing, you're going on the attack music. And when you're not on the attack and you're just building... A little, a little base from which to mount your war efforts. It plays building a base uh, music, and when you're scouting, it plays your scouting along music. And those, the those songs, they're very memorable. So he did his job. He made a great soundtrack, but he has no idea other than 
you're going to be scouting, you're going to be flying a plane along and looking for your enemy. He really has no idea what you're going to be experiencing otherwise. So it's just better, quite frankly. Uh, it's, a, it's a better environment for composition than movies. And movies are really good. You know, M- yeah. movie scores are uh, you know, the reason you're, you're doing this podcast. They are so meaningful in modern music. Video games can actually be more so. Yeah, that's a great. I, I never um, thought of it that way, but it really sort of takes music composition from a third-person perspective to a first-person uh, perspective, in a lot of ways. Because um, what you're talking about, you have the user or the viewer sort of uh, triggering changes in the music instead of the characters on screen. You know, making these switches i guess um yeah 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 that's uh it's so cool i love it uh okay so uh we talked about jason hayes a little bit let's get to russell brower um who is the current uh sort of main composer at blizzard right and uh i know you've met russell brower i consider russell a friend and uh he is not just the uh, orchestral composer at Blizzard. He is the director of all sound and video. Uh, so he is the he is the buck stops here executive for everything that they produce, cinematic, everything that they produce that is uh, music related. Yeah. So I was thinking about his job. You know, his his job really is much closer to say Johann Sebastian Bach's job was than you know, a modern day concert composer. Um, right. Because... I would compare, I would compare someone like Russell Brower or really any of these guys we're talking about. I'd compare them to Mozart because they uh, not, not in terms of their results yet, but in so far as, uh, when you, when you have to write for the opera, you've got to do everything. You've got to be in from, you know, the, the ground floor up. And you, you can't just have someone say, well, we're going to have someone stand out on stage and sing about a lost loved one. And then you go write a song. But rather, you have to know everything about what they're what they're doing. And you have to uh, work with every element of that opera. Um, the, the, that's the case for Russell Brower. Uh, whereas with a film, a composer like Russell would get the film and then... Uh, just have a brief amount of time to watch it over and over and over and write music that fits with what's on the screen. Uh, with this video game, he's got everything. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's got to create music that fits in pretty much anything he can imagine that the game can do. Right, right. And he's got... Uh, so much. I mean, I, I listened to uh, his interview several times on uh, Blizzcast. That's Blizzard's uh, podcast. Right. And uh, he sort of talked about his method and um, how he worked. And it's so much different than, uh, say, again, a modern concert composer. Um, so he, you know, he, he gets these concepts and then um, he can see environments he can go into the environments and interact with these environments he has um a huge backlog of lore and story to work with um relating to 
whatever characters or whatever race of beings live in this particular area. Um, and, uh, he's got, yeah, he's got all these things to, uh, work with and compose this music from. And, uh, really it's, it's just, uh, it's, it relates to film music, but it's still, it's still so different and so unique. And so, I don't know, new. <laughs> I, I interviewed Russell about a year and a half ago and this was before they released the most recent expansion to World of Warcraft, Wrath of the Lich King. And I said, so, you know, this, this expansion to the game, it's, it's a, all, uh, it all takes place in a cold environment. That's the, that's the deal with this. It, uh, all of the, they're, they're releasing all of this territory for you to play in that is cold. And it's called Northrend, so you, you know it's, it's Arctic. And it literally has aurora borealis in the sky. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I said, so what? How do you uh, how do you keep it fresh? Like when I think cold, I think of a tinkling piano, <laughs> and that's you know, uh-huh. like yep. there's only so much you can do with that. And and quite frankly, they already kind of did. There, <laughs> there's a, a a track I'm going to talk about a bit in a minute that that they use a lot of tinkling piano on, uh-huh. and. He said, "You'd be surprised how often I have to, uh, I have to." I'm just paraphrasing him. How often uh, we have to think to ourselves first, "What could I do with uh, Alien pipes?" You know, and then and then work from there. And then sometimes, you know, we we say to ourselves, "What you know? What can I do with this particular zone? It looks like this. It's very red. What sounds red? You know, that that sort of thing. It's." Like, like you say, it's very different than trying to capture uh, the common human emotions that we're used to, trying to capture sadness, excitement, anger, that sort of thing. He, he uh, you know, he kind of expressed to me that he felt like that was a lot easier than trying to capture what the color red sounds like to someone who's in an, an area that's mostly red. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so um, let's, with that, uh, well... We didn't really talk about Derek Duke or Glenn Stafford, um, and uh, I really couldn't find much. You know, you know what uh, amazes me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, please. But <laughs> um, I did an exhaustive search for uh, information on Russell Brower, and I was uh, I couldn't find a, a website on him or, or anything. It's because he's been these guys have been working in house. The, the three people you just named, you know, Russell, Glenn, and Derek, they, they work in-house for Blizzard, and that's just about all they have done for years and years. Uh, you know, um, Glenn worked on some, some video games outside of Blizzard's uh, list, like uh, he did the, the music for the Justice League uh, game and one of the Superman games, and uh, Derek Duke has has been uh, completely involved with Blizzard from from the first thing I ever heard of him doing which was uh the Frozen Throne. So of course there's there's not a big you know a catalog of stuff for you to go get outside of their work at Blizzard. And that's that's more common than you might think. I think a lot of uh hopeful composers coming out of college would love to be snapped up by a big software shop like Blizzard who are making video games and give, could give them a nice sandbox to play in. Oh yeah. I know. I know I was. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, 
it's just interesting that uh, that that Russell didn't have a website because I think what people need to uh, or they should realize is that you know more people have heard Russell Brower's music well certainly than more people that heard Mozart's music during Mozart's lifetime. I mean, way, way more. Um, but, uh, you know, millions, millions, millions have heard this guy's music. Um, and it's making, I, I can't stress enough what an impact this music is making on people, especially of the younger generation and how people kind of like you said at the beginning of the show who aren't aware of it, just so aren't aware of it. Um, which is part of the reason I'm doing this podcast, uh, this particular one. Um, and, uh, when I just, I really can't stress how, um, how important this guy is. I mean, he, he and Jason Hayes, all of them, but, um, right. And the, the person we haven't named yet is Matt Wellman. And yes. uh, I would call him the fifth of five people. And again, he's the young guy. I think I think Matt's like my age, and uh, I think he is a, a perfect example of someone who, you know, came out of music school, went to work for Blizzard, you know, worked as a sound designer for, uh, you know, for years, and was able to get uh, more into composition. I think Matt has split with Blizzard. And is working for someone else now, but okay. uh, he he was uh, he's been quite involved in in the music that we're going to be talking about. Okay, well, with that, let's move on to the music. So uh, I think we're going to go in uh, sort of chronological order, uh, which means that we're going to start with your excerpts. What what we did was um, Randy chose eight excerpts, and I chose eight excerpts. And uh, just the way it worked out, we didn't really plan this, but um, Randy's excerpts are mostly taken from the original uh, incarnation of the game and the first expansion, Burning Crusade. And my excerpts, with the exception of one, are taken from taken from the uh, the most recent expansion, Wrath of the Lich King. So um, let's start with yours, and uh, can we start with uh, Seasons of War? Sure, sure. And this, uh, I think this is interesting because what, what we're going to kind of take you through here is the experience of a player five years ago installing World of Warcraft and kicking it off for the first time. Yeah, and, and that's, see- that's uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That That's one thing that we should mention is that another thing that people probably don't realize is this game came out in November 1994. Right. And <laughs> so it's seen this... Uh, five-year evolution not just in the game and in the story and all that stuff but you know in the purposes of this show in the music that's exactly right uh you're we're starting with music that uh jason hayes claims uh most of the composition rights for and seasons of war is the song that you would hear while watching the movie that starts off the game sort of gets you into the mood of the world and what i think it's notable for is the fact that if you don't go back and choose to watch that movie again you'll never hear this song again as a player you can play you could have been playing for the last five years and have only heard this song once and it's a fantastic song yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing I noticed about uh, this song, and this is something that I'll get into a little bit later in the podcast, um, immediately with this music, we get into these motifs that are composed to represent certain people or certain areas. Um, one that I noticed from the uh, the excerpt that you sent me was the part in the cinematic where the night elf shows up. And right when the night elf shows up, we get this little uh, shot of harp, like woven into the musical fabric. Right. Yeah. And, and this directly comes from the music from uh, the night elf home, the night elf home mm-hmm. uh, that is heavily sort of choir and harp based music and so we just get this little shot of harp and it just gives you this you know instant um association you know immediately with this it's it's a motif just like uh wagner would have used in one of his operas or you know john williams used in star wars or you know it's this kind of idea um which is uh oh man this is fantastic so is there is there anything else you wanted to say about this excerpt before we oh i wanted to ask you um if you knew uh what the text is that's being sung at the beginning of the piece let's listen to it and i will tell you exactly what i know about it Jason Hayes, he, he once said that the question he got the most about his uh, composition you know, years ago, the question he heard the most was, what are what is the Latin in yeah. the music that you composed for World of Warcraft? And of course, it's uh, nonsense. It's sounds that he felt were tonally correct for what he was trying to express there. And um, it's fascinating to think that not only is this guy playful, because he is, he's the most playful of the, of the composers we're talking about, but that he's willing to break the rules and just have, have people sing gibberish. I can only imagine him writing it out, you know, Ali, Daka, you know, like whatever <laughs> he was writing out. And, uh, and then telling them to sing it. And, you know, these, this, you know, these choir singers looking at the page thinking, okay, this is ridiculous, but it sounds great. Like, you imagine Jason thinking about the exact vocal sound that he wanted, you know, and, and saying, is it a T, is it a La, is it a Da? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he's got, okay, next uh, beat, is it a, and, and so forth. It's just, uh, it's something that I really never heard anybody else do. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I'd love to see a translation, a literal translation of this. It looked like a... Maybe something Google Translator would spit out or something. Um, <laughs> that's really interesting. Uh, so let's um, go on to the next excerpt, excerpt number two. Now, this one comes from uh, 
it's uh, basically the music that you hear when you enter one of the major cities in the game, this human city called Stormwind. Right, and that and and that's why it's it had to be so good, because so many players their first great symphonic moment in this game is when they've created their their human character and they find their way into this massive city of stone and it's a glorious city and it's dominated by a cathedral that's right in the middle of the city and the the you can really you really get the point that they're driving at that this is a regal place to be as well as a reverent place to be there is a lot of uh, inspiration that jason hayes drew from the sound of high mass okay so let's listen to it and then uh, we can talk a little bit more about it um, after we hear it love how at the end there we're just starting to get that uh marching to war motif yeah that's that's something that is is in it's it's tethered in throughout all of the music in this game but that it's something that really uh, you can it's it's palpable when you're listening to it especially the first time you're you're in that city You, you get that there is a war march underneath all of these grand soaring vocals and bells and chimes and so forth. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry to say uh, for everyone listening to this episode, we have not saved the best for last. We're really hitting on the best music from, from, uh, from all of these composers and from blizzard right off the top here. Yeah. And I remember, um, I really remember what it was like the first time going into this city because I play Alliance and my first character was human. (laughs) And uh, when you're first walking into the city, you know, you're walking across this huge stone bridge that's lined with these massive stone statues. And um, the music is just kind of, I don't know, hyper heroic. It's just... uh, Yeah, um, it just like you said, it captures uh, not only the sort of static vision of the city, but really of the person's experience when they walk into the city for the first time. So, um, okay, so you uh, brought up at the very end of this, you know, we get to hear this little hint of, you know, the war music. Right. And this will lead us into the Orgrimmar suite. So this is a game where players have to decide whether the character they're playing will be of one of two factions or the other. 
and those two factions of players are at war and the the two factions are made up of of five different races each of uh, fictional people and so as you can see from the music that we just listened to the on the storm winds uh, the faction is called the alliance and that that faction of people believe that they are uh, imperialistically correct they are uh, humans and they are dwarves and uh, they have a lot of uh, a lot of jingoism and, and their music reflects that and the other faction which is called the horde believes that uh, well, of course believes that that it is on the right side of this uh, of this war and the horde are more uh, animalistic so they're they're more the the extremes they are much more peaceful when they're peaceful and they're much more warlike when they're warlike than the alliance faction is so orgrimmar is the first capital city for the horde faction if you're playing as an orc or a troll uh, it's it's something that you wander into early on in this game and uh, you you know nothing about the entire other faction that exists you know nothing about that city of stormwind about the human world it's completely uh, blank slate to you and wandering into your own city the capital of the orcs you hear very different music <laughs> and i think it reflects that that vision that the horde faction is like i say peaceful more peaceful and yet more warlike at the same time Is it uh, is it too early in the show to say how much I love timpani? I love timpani. <laughs> Dude, it's never too early to say how, lo- how much you love timpani. I just I can't get over how the, this this Orkermar song is. It's all timpani and it's and it's really you know deep horns and uh, below all of that, just a few baritone singers in the background. They're chanting at the bottom of their range. Very powerful, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I love that how they sort of uh, build this tight dichotomy into the horde, because um, even with the music and the environments that you experience as a horde player, you're Im- immediately set up to sort of think, OK, these are the kind of, quote unquote, bad guys. Um, you know, these are the like you said, they're, they're very animalistic, very warlike. Uh, but then the more you get into them, and I think this um, is reflected into the mu- in the music, the more and more that you listen to it, just under the surface, 
um, is that they are like this is this kind of has nothing to do with the music. But this this is what pisses me off about uh, being an alliance player is that the horde leader Thrall is so much cooler than the alliance <laughs> leader, and uh, the alliance leader is kind of what you would expect. Like if you were first coming to the game, what you would expect the orc leader to be like. He's hot headed. He's he's brash you know he's uh just kind of doesn't think things through he's just kind of an ass really and um thrall on the other hand is uh you know deeply thoughtful pensive um uh deeply spiritual you know he's just a cool guy and uh i i just think that you know this lens so much more depth to the game and in turn lends depth to the music. Right. And, and, and like I say, uh, that, that extremes look at the faction that a lot of people just assume uh, are the bad guys uh, is really, really supported by the music. Like for example, the, the race on the horde side of the game that is the, the best uh, epitome of the extremes is the torrent. The the Tauren are by far the most peaceful race uh, in the in the entire game. Bottom line. Yeah. Yet at the same time, they are the largest and they carry the biggest hammers. That's and, right. And their music is very reflective of that way of seeing that race of people. You know, great great big half man quarter steer. Yet. Uh, he is uh, he, he picks flowers, you know, and and so when you're out uh, as a tauren, when you're running around and you tower over everyone else and you're picking flowers, the music has to give you that sense of your own power while also being very peaceful and somewhat uh, demurred. And that's exactly what the you know, what the composers have managed to do in this game. Yeah, yeah. And um Really, you know, people always ask the question, you know, if you could live in one of the zones in Warcraft, you know, which zone would you live in? For me, it would absolutely be Mulgore. I love that zone. It's it's just, it's so, uh, you know, just what you said, it's so peaceful. And this right, is, right. yeah, this is the home of the Tauren. Um So the next song we're going to listen to is my example of the most peaceful and quiet and simplistic music in the game and it's also stinking beautiful oh totally and, and, and that is the, the ambient music from the zone where dwarves and gnomes start their existence and play for the first few hours of the game that zone is called dunmoro and it's an icy mountainous pine tree area and they really capture that feeling jason hayes uh and and derek duke and glenn stafford really captured the the concept of what you might uh, hear as music in your head if you were out having adventures in the snow. Absolutely. And it may be, and I tried desperately, I tried to find the excerpt that, that underlined this the, the most, but it, it may be my favorite music in the entire game. Oh, really? Yes. Um, that's, you know, <laughs> we're in total agreement on this m- music. I mean, the the two... Uh, words that I kept writing down it, that appear in my notes for this piece are beautiful and stillness. Yes. And, um, you know, we talked about 
using a tinkling piano to represent cold. And, you know, he does it in this track, but in a really, really beautiful way. It's it's a very beautiful melody, and he pairs, uh, in a lot of it, um, he pairs the piano with harp, and it's just... Ah, it's just beautiful. Just simply beautiful. And here's here's the thing that you, you might not get if you've never played the game before. The Dunmoro Suite, you know, we just heard 45 seconds of it. It's eight and a half minutes long. And that I mean that alone and, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about much even longer music here in a in a little bit, but the idea that you could could hit on something and then without being just horribly repetitive that you could continue it for eight and a half minutes. That's, that's really remarkable. That's, that's a, a, a bit of music that I wish had won some awards. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I, I keep um, bringing this up, but you know, these are, these are real pieces of music. This is real composition. Um, and, and many times, I'm not saying a hundred percent of the time, but many times these are pieces that can stand all on their own, all by themselves in a concert hall. So yes, yes. Yeah. So um, you've you've created a dwarf or a or a gnome, and you've been leveling. Uh, you know, we've been adventuring, which which brings you from level one to level two to level three in that character. And you're out in the snow, and you're listening to the music we just heard. And you finally come to realize that there is a major city in, built into the mountain in the area you're in. The city is called Ironforge, and it is where the dwarves call their home and of course we're talking about you know J.R.R. Tolkien-esque dwarves uh, just like uh, you know so many things in fantasy are drawn from those roots you know this game has elves just like Tolkien's elves and uh, so forth but uh, the the city of Ironforge is the uh, the first place as a player I think where you get a sense of industry and what what that means is that the dwarves are busy making war. They're making weapons. They are hammering on anvils. And the city liter- literally runs molten iron through trenches. What Jason Hayes managed to do with the Iron Forge city theme is convey this idea that a great dwarven army is preparing for war. And it never lets up. This song never uh, winks at you or gives you the idea that that it's actually uh, playful because it isn't. It's it's really serious, and it's a, it's a very uh, you know it's a it's a very uh, serious 
place to be because of the music. just hear the hammers coming down on anvils throughout that song even though that that sound wasn't actually in the song couldn't you just oh, imagine it yeah absolutely absolutely and it's just very like you, you know just like you said um it's uh no mess around uh serious business is very stately very dignified um and and yeah, again, it just uh, perfectly sums up uh, the dwarves, and um, yeah, yeah. Did you have anything more to say about that before we move on? Not really. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the next is Karazhan. Karazhan. So now we have uh, moved to the first expansion to the game. Years have passed, and we're we're playing uh, in a version of the game called the Burning Crusade. And as players at the end of the game, or we've reached max, maximum level, and we're dealing with the biggest adventures that Blizzard can possibly present us, at this point, they give us a haunted house, <laughs> of all things. And Karazhan, it uh, could have faltered on the music. Because it is absurd, uh, it, the the zone, the you know, the dungeon of Karazhan, if you will. We we use the word dungeon even when we when it's actually a freestanding haunted house. Uh, the zone is uh, silly. It's got a lot of things that are designed to make you smile, and the music uh, could have been too comedic, but they didn't go there. They kept with the the notion of a haunted house, and the excerpt that I chose here is very prototypical of uh, what you might expect if you go to Disneyland and and enter the haunted mansion and, and this sort of thing. And uh, the, you know, very different. It's a, a huge departure from really everything else in the you know the overall score for the game. But, yeah, 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 yeah. I, but so much better than what you would hear at Disneyland, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I I will agree with you. <laughs> and that's one thing that I wrote ba- uh, in my notes about this excerpt is I wrote, you know, this music is utterly unique in Warcraft. Um, it's, uh, you know, it features this large pipe organ that um, is playing this sort of demented, fractured, uh, and sometimes very dissonant music. And... Uh, there's uh well let's just play it and then um we'll talk a little bit more about it when we sure. when we play it sure. 
I'll tell you, uh, the thing that you might not guess, especially if you just listened to that excerpt for the first time, is that the track for this one haunted house is over 27 minutes long in the game. And the, <laughs> the reason that might surprise you is because you would think, well, that would be repetitive. But that's just one of the Karazhan themes. Or I should say, that's one of the variations on the Karazhan theme. The Karazhan theme is that... Da, 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 da. And uh, they, there are at least a dozen variations on that theme. Different instruments, different, uh, you know, different uh, levels of dissonance. And so because it's so long, the song entitled Karazhan on the CD release of their Burning Crusade soundtrack is itself an excerpt. And it's, I wish I could have included lots of it for you because for example, there's a section of that music from, from this suite where this spooky ghost choir is singing. And what they did in engineering was they faded the balance of just the voices, not the organs and the woodwinds, but just the voices will go from the left and they drift over to the right and then they drift over to the left. And when you're playing this video game and you've got headphones on, it sounds like the voices are haunting around you. It's extremely effective. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one thing I like about the organ in this excerpt, just from a, a purely musical standpoint, is... Uh, just the care that the composers put into timbre in uh, in this music, because uh, in most depictions of organ, whatever you'd have a composer uh, usually using uh, the principal stop of an organ. This is the typical sound of an organ that you would hear when you would hear, I don't know, box staccata and fugue in D minor or something. But here, you know, they've mixed stops so they've got this principal stop going and then they've got this great double reed stop with on the very low on the pedals that just gives it this great sound um, right and uh i i just want to set this up a little bit i, I don't want to uh talk about it too much but um in the actual as you say a haunted house um there's a huge pipe organ there's actually a huge pipe organ in there and um this pipe organ is underneath a stage. And uh, when you go onto the stage with your characters, uh, the announcer comes out and announces <laughs> the play that you'll be participating in. Right. Uh, it's a random thing. So you could be participating in this take on Little Red Riding Hood. You could be in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, you can be in Romeo and Juliet and then the, right. you know, the curtains open. And so, you know, it is, it's just a really sinister, but whimsical place. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and uh, just to give you an idea of how silly uh, they can be, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't just call those encounters by the names of the things that they drew from, like the, the, the Wizard of Oz or Romeo and Juliet. Instead, they called it Ro Romulo and Julianne. You know? Right. And and all the people that you experience are, uh, you know, that for, for instance, with the Wizard of Oz encounter, uh, you know, her little dog is named Tito. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and there's instead of a tin man, there's a guy named Tinhead. And that's, uh, you know, Blizzard is not really not above making jokes. Yeah, well, even and, even down to the weapons that dropped. Yep. I mean, um, like uh, 
as a as a paladin. I play a paladin, and um, I got this sword off of the uh, Romulo and Julianne event called Despair. And this sword um, was sort of purple and pinkish, and it had this kind of heart carved into it in the uh, towards the hilt. And one of the things that this sword did was it impaled people through the heart. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. that's that's great. Yeah, Rom- Romulo drops a poison vial. Just you know, right? Just in a in a perfect reference to the end of Romeo and Juliet. But but uh, my my point was going to be that what Blizzard manages to to do on the story and the visual side of the game is be whimsical and, and sometimes farcical. But with the music, they always seem to set a a serious stage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And the combination of the two is what is so entertaining. Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, now we're going to move into some seriously cool music. Um, this music comes <laughs> from the Black Temple. Now, and 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 the Black Temple is uh, the big the great big final uh, game dungeon in the second expansion of this game. It's not technically the last dungeon a player might have been encountering but but it was set up to be and it's the home of the the greatest bad guy in this version of the game and his name is Illidan and you face him after facing his terrors in his black temple uh the uh it's it's a completely uh it's it's it what used to be a good place and it's been overrun by uh, an evil group called the burning legion mm-hmm. and your encounters in the black temple are all very uh what's the word i'm looking for your encounters are very intense and <laughs> yeah, and that's that is one what word for it yes and and, and that is what uh, they were going for with the music for uh, the, and especially this one little bit. I've got something else to say after we listen to it, but this I thought was the the most memorable passage uh, that you might hear while while you're in there. as you were listening to that, that you couldn't ha- imagine it in any number of movies, uh, situations like I, I can't help but think of James Bond and he's just been double crossed. He's been betrayed. They've killed his woman. He's got nothing left, but the re- revenge that he I- intends to exact on his enemy. And he is preparing for it as that music is playing that it's so versatile, the heavy, brass the you know tuba and trombone pulsating as it as it goes forward 
I I just can't say enough about what Russell Brower came up with for Black Temple, except to say this is part of 43 minutes of music. And I'm not making that up, that the track uh, for Black Temple in this game is over 43 minutes long. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this music is, I'd have to say, really, the lowest intense music I've ever heard. I mean, in far as far as uh, uh, register, uh, it, right. it's so it, that that's part of what makes this track so cool for me. It's so they use everything low in the orchestra and they use it just so intensely. You know, you got these super low contrabasses, contrabassoon, like you said, tuba, uh, trombone, all this all this stuff. Um, and uh, I've never heard music this low and intense, even in a movie. Not that I can but, think of. But you can imagine yeah. how it would work in a movie. You oh, can, you oh, can yeah. imagine all sorts of scenes that that conjures up. And that's when you know it's great music. Yeah, that's when I um, uh, <laughs> lament my crappy computer speakers and wish I could hear this in a full surround sound theater. Um, okay, so we're going to... Yeah, I got your message. We're going to we're going to save Lament of the Highborn for the very end. And I guess we'll move on to uh the first excerpt of mine um which I'm going to play uh from uh Burning Crusade the Cinderai excerpt. All right. And uh okay, so this is the uh uh among the first excerpts uh that I picked out and uh one thing I I love about this track that and you know this track ties in to so many other tracks um you know when you walk into silverman city uh lament to the highborn you know you hear this music echoed in all these other pieces and um this is from russell brower creating these motifs that i mentioned earlier in the show that uh you know just evoke either a place or a people um and uh, a couple things I wanted to point out about Sindorai. Um, this music accompanies the Blood Elf, the area where you would start if you played a Blood Elf. And this is a uh, a race that was introduced in the second WoW expansion, uh, the Burning Crusade. And uh, Brower had several things to go on from this. The Blood Elves are are very interesting to me because outwardly, they're very beautiful people. Right. Um, inwardly, they're tragic because of their backstory, um, which uh, they're a highly magical people. And uh, I won't talk too much about it, but um, their source of magic was uh, this pool called the Sunwell. Uh, this, this was destroyed. And so after this was destroyed, uh, they became what they're kind of depicted as sort of drug addicts um, that are <laughs> going through some serious withdrawal. Um, and they'll basically do anything and uh, through any means to acquire this magic. And, well, and, and the their source, the Sunwell, wasn't just destroyed. It was defiled. <laughs> right. And they they are extremely upset. These are people who... Uh, this is a race of people who are very, very, very long-lived. Uh, 
And so they just have all the time in the world to, you know, contemplate how upset they are at, at their son. Well, being uh, corrupted. Right. And, you know, so the, the music that you hear when you're uh, in their areas is not only uh, sorrowful, but it's just downright melancholic. Yes. And, uh, the thing that stands out in the, in this is the solo cello. And yes. um, according to Russell Brower, he chose this instrument because, according to him, it has a, quote, gorgeous and melancholy character, uh, which, of course, encompasses uh, this race of people. And um, he went further than that and concentrated on this musical interval of a tritone, which is... An interval that's, um, as he says, not quite consonant, not terribly dissonant. It just kind of makes you a little uneasy. And um, in this excerpt, you're going to hear right away, right when uh, this starts. Uh, it starts with harp plucking tritones. Then the choir comes in singing tritones. And when the uh, cello comes in, the very first interval that the cello plays is a tritone. So we get um, inundated with layer upon layer of tritone. Um, and, uh, and then, this... and then if, if you take the three notes that constitute the melody and smash them together, they're a tritone. Yeah. So um, this is just uh, permeates the entire music and it's set up you know beautifully right from the get-go of of this music Okay, so uh, another thing I wanted to mention about this music and um, how uh, I think Russell Brower initially set this music up, uh, and this relates to motifs and uh, tying the music in with uh, certain associations in the game. Um, in the original incarnation of the game, uh, Jason Hayes, like I said earlier, created this night elf music by using a heavy palette of harp and choir. And uh, 
Russell Brower decided to use this same palette, you know, in this um, kind of <laughs> relates to the Sunwell kind of um, fouled way uh, right. with the tritones in there. Um, but, uh, you know, this is taking because the two races are uh, related to one another. And this, so this is just another uh, level of, you know, how they're tying things together in this game. You, you have to remember at this point, if you were to take all of the music from the three uh, editions of this game that have been produced and string it all together, you would probably be sitting and listening to eight plus hours of music. So uh, not not only do they get to to be very original when they are composing new themes, they get to refer to other things that they've done, and they've got hours upon hours of things to refer to. So th- right. it, this is like a, a, I really think Russell is living a composer's dream come true. He absolutely is, and um, yeah, in his interview in his BlizzCon interview, which was done at the very end. Of Burning Crusade, so this is before Wrath of the Lich King came out, they said that at that point in the game, so this is not including Wrath of the Lich King, the current insp- expansion, at that point in the game they had 16 hours of music. That's right. That's huge. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next excerpt is uh, going to be from the main title music from Wrath of the Lich King. And uh, one of the points I wanted to bring up is it's interesting to listen to all the different incarnations of this main title music, you know, from the original game, from Burning Crusade, and then from Wrath of the Lich King, and um, see how this music evolves because it's kind of a sort of microcosm of the all the music in the in the game and how it uh, has evolved over time. Um, to give you an I- idea. Uh, I'm sorry, I was just going to say to give you an idea of how this just just theme has evolved. Um, the main title theme in the original game was two minutes and forty seconds. The main title in Burning Crusade, which is essentially again, it's the same music just expanded on, was four minutes long. Then the main title music in Wrath of the Lich King is expanded to nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's really something. Um, I I started to suggest that we listen to the you know the opening credits main title theme of the whole game to kind of start our excerpt listening. But I realized that uh, if we were going to listen to it, we needed to listen to the most recent uh, variation on it, and that belongs at this point in the show. It it uh, it's so evolved that you're you're listening to something I, I i i hate to do this but it's it's almost like uh having never seen a harry potter film and then jumping into some other composer's version of john williams harry's wondrous world theme and it's you, you know like you know there's something there that's got history and it's meaningful but you can't quite hear what it used to be anymore. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, in this, on this particular excerpt, um, that I pulled from the most recent incarnation of this, uh, this opening music, uh, in the first two incarnations, you know, it's pretty much for the most part, uh, 
really just full out kind of warlike music, you know, um, very powerful, powerful choir, thundering drums, warlike themes, all, all this kind of stuff. Uh, in the current incarnation, uh, this gets expanded to include these moments of uh, just these kind of um, introspective kind of pensive moments um, in yes. the music. And uh, this is one example uh, from the middle, which we get this uh, really beautiful and haunting solo in the viola. And um, it, this is something totally new. It, it, it didn't exist in the other incarnations. However, um, Brower has somehow woven this in to this um, music that existed before really seamlessly. It totally makes sense. It doesn't sound out of place. And um, this would be something that would be hard to do compositionally. You know, taking this um, existing music that's very warlike, uh, got a lot of drums and saying, okay, I want to put this beautiful viola solo in the middle of it. Uh, it'd be very easy to mess this up. And um, he he did a beautiful job with it. If you had never heard that before, and I told you it was a piece from a James Newton Howard score for, uh, let's say, an M. Night Shyamalan film, you'd buy it. Yeah. You, you, wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even think twice. Oh, sure. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't think twice. I would totally buy it. It's just, it just blows my mind how, uh, how brilliant that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so great. And and like I said, you know, as a composer myself, uh I can just really appreciate, you know, the difficulty of putting something like that into that context. Anyway, I won't I won't um <laughs> I won't dwell on that, but um okay, so the next excerpt we have is Dragon's Rest. So, this comes from the Dragon Blight area of Northrend. Um, the area is, this is another ice covered, you know, very stark zone. And, um, it's a, the place basically where dragons go to die. It's like a dragon, dragon graveyard. There, yes, yes, there are, uh, there are 
the place is littered <laughs> uh, with uh, with dead dragons, corpses. They literally fall from the sky as you're as <laughs> yeah, you're playing. Yeah, they do. So, uh huh. And um, I think as far as the music, uh, I think it just does a great job at um, conveying this place, this mystical place that's kind of full of memory. Right. You know. Um, and, uh, it does have this tinkling piano in it, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's great this time. It's, uh, it's less of a kind of, I would say less of a beautiful melody than it was in the Dunmoro music. Uh, it's more of a sort of, uh, I don't know, disjointed, um, but still beautiful. That's one of those passages on piano where I really can't tell you whether the pianist was improvising and they just recorded 10 minutes of of it and plucked out the best 30 seconds or someone actually wrote out all those notes and said this would be a really nice passage for for us to have here uh, on the piano because it's not it doesn't sound entirely planned, you know. Yeah, it does. Um, I would guess it's written out. Um, I, otherwise, they're they're incredible. Uh, there's an incredible <laughs> improviser up there. Well, uh, they have great musicians. I mean, they have the yeah, best musicians yeah. in the world. And, you know, I I would love to work for Blizzard. I, I, every time I talk to Russell, I say, look, you know, if you need if you need a piano slash trum- trombonist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wait a minute, you just, play you play trombone. I would say that's probably my better instrument, believe it or not. I, I didn't get started on the trombone until I was like 13, and I, I probably surpassed my, my piano experience with the trombone. I, I didn't know you played trombone. Uh, I was going to make a Will Riker comment, but I, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so the next uh, excerpt is from the Wrath of the Lich King movie the the movie that you see when you first start up wrath of the lich king it's um titled arthas my son and um the one thing that i love about this music is the really inspired edition of this boy soprano soloist yes yes i i there's a lot it's a long song and it changes tremendously changes it's really two songs smashed together quite frankly and that change 
is where you go from the hopefulness, not well, maybe not hopefulness, but the uh, probably misguided belief that this uh, once great potential ruler might not be the complete em- embodiment of evil that he appears to be to realizing that he is he's evil there's no changing it he's going to be evil he's going to be 100% evil and uh so you have to shift your hopefulness to something else right and the so the 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 second part of the song is t- to me uh, evocative of the hopefulness that somebody's going to come kill him <laughs> and, <laughs> and th- those are very different thoughts but the the voice the vocal here somehow gets it through and i i mean you know i host a, a world of warcraft podcast i have had people write me and ask me questions about this song this is the only song in all of uh world of warcraft that i've ever had a complete stranger uh take the time to write an email to me to get my thoughts on on what what it means and and how it sounds and uh yeah and the other um thing that I thought the boy soprano uh, kind of uh, suggested was this inherent innocence that's part of the character of Arthas and that, you know, kind of allowed him, you know, to go down this path um, to become the Lich King. Uh, It's even kind of confirmed in the game, you know, when you you, uh, run these quests in... uh, the zone where Arthas's castle is ice crown and you encounter, uh, the ghost of Arthas as a child, basically, um, that's leading you through all these quests. Uh, and, uh, it does, it does have this stark innocence to it. just just perfect I, I can't i don't know what to compare it to that someone who's never heard this stuff might relate to i i suppose uh howard shore's work on the lord of the rings films but uh, i that's i don't know who i'm who, who i'm comparing to who yeah yeah i i don't i, I man this uh in this case, you know, I don't think you really need to. It's it totally stands on its own, and um, you can. And I don't know if you know this or not. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he singing in Thalassian? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, the once you get past the Jason Hayes work and the invented Latin, uh, what you have is uh, Russell Brower and Derek Duke and Glenn Stafford all reaching into languages that have been invented for these games, for the lore written for these games. And, and that's exactly right. They, they, rather than make something up, they decided to, uh, to work in, these, uh, in, in an invented language like Thalassian. And 
it's not it's not terribly meaningful to players uh, of the game, but it, at the very least, you can define the words if you really had to. Yeah, and I mean, as a composer, again, from a composer's standpoint, man, what an awesome opportunity it would be to be able to set a completely new language. It, it would just be it would just be amazing, incredible experience. And this is a uh, Thalassian. This is the language of the High Elves. Is that right? That well, that, and and others, uh, other races borrowed it because uh, you know they spent they had so much contact with the High Elves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that will uh, bring us to the next excerpt, which is titled "God Hunters." Now, um, I'm going to ask you this because I don't know, and maybe you don't know either, but I don't know where this comes from in the game. Well, I I have made an assumption by the title of the song, and and, and uh, that is that because of the fact that we are as players in the most recent expansion of the game, because of the fact that we are kind of uh, going after an old god whose name is uh, Saren, that this music uh, is used in Alduar. <laughs> Maybe it's, uh, you know, it's used in uh, some zone and some quest line that is aiming you at uh, the Storm Peaks. It makes uh, sense the, to me. That, that old god is uh, this massive creature that lives underneath all of the land that, uh, uh, I shouldn't say lives, but exists underneath all of the land that the most recent expansion uh, puts you in. Yeah. And Saren, uh, you know, uh, Saren is uh, corrupt and uh, you, if you, if you're lucky, you get to get together with some friends and go, go take on an embodiment of him as a boss that you can defeat. And I just assumed that in that context, we are the God hunters. Okay. Yeah. And musically, um, some of the things I love about this is, uh, the, the use of percussion for one. And, uh, he creates, uh, we have some great percussive sounds and, um, Brower creates some great, just some great rhythms that uh, you don't really hear in typical orchestral music. And, right, like uh, a tambourine, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, towards the end, and this is one thing that I noticed a lot in this music from uh, Wrath of the Lich King, is there's a ton of woodwind solos and duos, like uh, sort of peppered all throughout the music. I don't know how, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but um, there's a great uh, melodic pairing uh, towards the end of this that I think is oboe and English horn. I mean, that's what my my ear tells me. It could be wrong, but I think it's oboe, oboe and English horn. Uh, but it gives just a fantastic color uh, to the piece. <laughs>
elbow is a very difficult and risky thing to ever use. Uh, you either have to go full bore with it, like the way Ennio Morricone did in the movie The Mission, or you have to bury it with a bunch of clarinets and bassoons. And the yeah, the the focus on the oboe there, uh, somehow they make it work. <laughs> I can't, uh, you know, I can't fully explain it but i don't come away from that music thinking oh what were they doing putting a you know an oboe out where it's you know sticks out like a sore thumb it's the right sound for the the tone of the piece yeah and i'm glad you said that i'm really glad you said that because um that always seems to be the case with this music i mean this is some this is a point i wasn't even going to bring up but it it just you know i just thought of it that um when listening to this music, I never have that feeling. I, I never have that feeling. And, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, great orchestrators of the past. Uh, Maurice Ravel, um, th- these people that always knew just the right timbre and how to get it, you know, how to get their music across. And uh, I'd say these guys are, are not only very talented composers, but they're fantastic orchestrators. They, they know yes. exactly what sound to use um, in the, exactly the right place. And like I said, I can't think of a single moment in this music where I've thought, you know, what? You know, you're using a trombone here? It doesn't even make sense. You know, I, I, I've never had that feeling listening to this music. Same here. Uh, okay, so that brings us to Mountains of Thunder. Um, again, I'm not totally sure <laughs> where this comes from. I'm guessing it comes from uh, the Storm Peaks Right. Region. Yes. This this is Storm Peaks uh, zone music. You hear yeah. this when you're when you're working when you're playing in that zone. Right. And um, it's funny, you know, because when I'm playing the game, uh, you would think that I would have the music on, and I don't. And because uh, the reason I don't have the music on when I'm playing the game usually is because I can't pay attention to the game when the music's on. Uh, I'm just when I have the music on, my character's just sitting there with their mouth hanging open, and I'm just listening to the music. So anyway, um, I, I have a different reason. I I will get a new expansion for this game and turn the the end game music on and listen to it, and then reach a point where I feel like I've heard it too much, and I'll turn it off, and then I tend to listen to something else while I play. So I'll be listening to movie score soundtracks i'll be listening to popular music and then once in a while i will not and i'll turn the in-game soundtrack back on and enjoy it but uh, if you play a lot i think that it doesn't matter whether there's eight minutes of music or eight hours of music in the game for you you will hear it all so many times that you'll you'll grow a little tired of it yes yeah i agree um, but, uh, okay, so back to Mountains of Thunder. Uh, musically, uh, it starts with this beautiful melody in the women's voices. And uh, this is later joined by the men. Uh, it creates some really cool vocal counterpoint. Uh, and then it's followed by yet another wind pairing of oboe and clarinet this time. And uh, the music rolls along, and at the very end of the excerpt, we get another wind pairing, a flute and oboe, uh, this time in counterpoint. So, um, again, I, I'd love to ask Russell Brower about this, you know, but uh, I, I, don't, I have no idea why these uh, uh, wind solos are all over the place. But um, 
again, they're really effective, really cool music. stuff i i always like to I'm, I'm a big believer that the the shortest distance between two points is a straight line so i always like to invent a reason when i hear oboe a lot or something like that i figure oh well you know maybe their sound engineer is a talented oboe player and that you know it just became the little bit of easy uh you know a little synergy in the studio to just write oboe stuff because you got a guy right there who could play it for you Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could you totally know, be the reason. Yeah, but you know that's just that's just my fiction to explain something. Um, I I often want to knock my compositional heroes down <laughs> from the pedestal of genius in you know in imagining what would sound best and actually capturing it on the page before giving it to the players. But I would imagine that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, oh, f- before we move on, man, uh, if uh, if you need me to expedite this or anything, please don't hesitate to say something. I've already kept you an hour and a half, so I don't want to. I'm 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 really enjoying listening to the whole track as we talk. It's fun. Okay. Okay. Good. I just wanted to just wanted to make sure. Um, okay. So that brings us to Totems of the Grizzle Maw. Now, this uh, comes from the Grizzly Hills. Uh, region of Northrend, and uh, I don't know. Do you want to describe Grizzly Hills for them? Oh, it's you know, it's a yet another zone in in World of Warcraft. It's a uh, it's a region where the the designers of the game decided to try and open up some open conflict between the two factions of players. Uh, it, you know, so it's a it's a forest with resources, and the the players on in each faction 
have lots of areas where they can get into fights with players from the other faction. Mm-hmm. And it's the the homeland of a creature that's kind of hard to describe. It's sort of a of a bear humanoid, an upright uh, an yeah, upright that's why bear. I made you do it. <laughs> right. He's. I guess that's what a, it's called a a fur bog, and uh, this particular strain of fur bogs, which well, I'm just going to go with humanoid bear. Um, they're particularly uh, mean-spirited about all the rest of us being in, in the area. So the music uh, not only represents the, the, the war itself, it not only uh, underscores the conflict between the two factions of players, but also the, uh, the dangers in being in this area in the first place. And, uh, you know, those dangers are in the forest and they're ready to, to jump out and kill you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the thing I like about this music is basically the amount of diversity you have in such a short amount of time, uh, in this excerpt. I mean, it starts out with this kind of ethnic Celtic fiddle solo, and, uh, this gives away to an almost, uh, Copeland-esque car- uh, clarinet solo, and uh, this transitions to another solo instrument um, that I can't quite identify. Uh, at first, I thought it was a bassoon, like a high bassoon, but it's not. Um, maybe it's a deduk. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't. I can't identify it. But um, uh, I don't know. Let's listen to it, and then we can uh, see if we can figure it out. <laughs> the keyed fiddle (laughs) 
Interesting. So that's, yeah, if that, you have yeah, if you have some insight into these instruments, please share. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a there's a, a herring violin at the end, right? Yeah. So right? what's that's a, all that is? So a herring violin. So explain what this is. Uh, it's a Norwegian violin. Um, trying to think of a use of it. That, that, uh, is this the one that they used in Lord of the Rings? I can't. Th- I can't recall off the top of my head. Because I know they I, used a uh, like a a Nordic string instrument in the Rohan music. That's right. That's right. And I love that. There's a there's a whole section in the Two Towers that I just love so much. But I need to go back and listen to it. Um, it seemed like there was in this in this piece there was. Uh, there were, you know, pl- plenty of use of keyed fiddle, right? Mm-hmm. And and then something. Uh, what did you say you thought you were hearing at the beginning of it? Well, okay, it has the fiddle, then it goes to clarinet, and then it goes to this instrument that I can't, this wind instrument that I can't identify. And um, like I said, at first I thought it was a high bassoon, but um, I had heard that uh, Brower had used a daduk in the music somewhere. And I went online, Wikipedia, listened to the deduk. I thought, well, maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Interesting. Very interesting. It's, it's so difficult with, uh, with obscure sounds, you know, to even really know whether you're hearing a string or a reed or, you know, it's a, just, just a, a lovely thing where they've, they've hidden away some things for us to discover and I don't know that you'll ever really know the answer. It's just yeah. And uh, I actually actually love that because most uh, classical music that I hear, I identify every instrument immediately. And uh, with this, <laughs> I I love that there's some some mystery to it, some aspects that I just you know I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. You know, I, I love that. Well, go go on uh, go on YouTube sometime and. And look up uh, Haring Violin, H-A-R-I-N-G, and I think you'll hear the same sound you heard at the end of that clip. Okay. Okay, so um, for my last excerpt, um, I'm going to play part of Assault on New Avalon. Uh, This comes from the area where uh, if you start a certain class in the game called a Death Knight. And... um, it comes from an area where the uh, the Death Knights are sieging this area called New Avalon uh, that's uh, run by a group uh, called the Scarlet Crusade. Um, and um, this music uh, really ex- uh, just conveys the dark and sinister storyline uh, that's associated with these Death Knights. You know, this, um, this highly dissonant choir. Uh, in the driving rhythms and the strings, uh, these things, uh, death knights, uh, especially at this point in the game are not nice people. Uh, <laughs> they're not definitely. They're, yeah. Um, they're, they're very, very evil at this point. And, um, uh, this music, uh, really does a great job in conveying that mood. It, it starts, the song starts out with a, a choir that I would say sounds like, a bunch of evil monks. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, a yeah. Bunch of, 
you know, a, a bunch of servants of some evil that are all hooded and cloaked, and they're all singing as they march off to perform some dark ritual. And it then shifts into overdrive. It just goes from this horrible, uh, you know, vocal sound to strings and horns, and it's pumped and it's moving. And there's a there's a high, uh, much much higher pitched choir, and they're singing these soaring angelic, uh, uh, you know, melodies above uh, the rushing uh, strings. It, it's just a very strange juxtaposition there. course the song ends with that climax that uh, this is something that the, the the blizzard game music has been come uh, you, you've heard several versions of it just on this show today uh, they've come to they become known for that that climax thing where you have the voices all sing together and end abruptly and maybe you linger a really a really quiet sound uh, past that, but it's very climactic and very final. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. excellent, uh, excellent choice by you. Wow, I love that song. Mm. Yeah, great. Um, so this brings us to our final excerpt, the one that uh, this is uh, Randy's pick, and uh, it had to be I think... included in this uh, show, as Randy pointed out to me, which is very correct. Um, this is Lament of the Highborn. Uh, the best way I can explain how big Lament of the Highborn is for 
uh, Blizzard and for World of Warcraft and for Russell Brower, Derek Duke, and Matt Wellman is to tell you about this uh, this touring company called Video Games Live. And uh, what Video Games Live is is an orchestra that goes around and uh, plays in big cities and at events, at conferences and, and conventions. And they, they play uh, arrangements of video game music for uh, their adoring fans. And if there is one song from all of World of Warcraft that the Video Games Live Orchestra is going to be performing tonight in Baltimore for 5,000 nerds, it is Lament <laughs> of the Highborn. Yeah. At, at BlizzCon when uh, i'm sorry at the convention that blizzard holds every year where 20 25,000 people come to mingle and uh meet people like russell brower and see and hear things like this video games live plays lament of the highborn last and uh there's a i mean there there are really good reasons for that it's that good it's uh, just a gorgeous standalone song with a vocal solo, uh, which was re- recorded by Vanjie Gunn. And the last time I personally saw Video Games Live at BlizzCon in 2008, they brought Vanjie Gunn out onto the stage, and Russell Brower introduced her, and he really looked like uh, he really looked like he was introducing Elvis. You know, this is, uh, you know, this is the King song for, uh, you know, for Blizzard and for WoW. Seriously, when I die, I hope there's somebody scattering my ashes who's got a boombox, and I hope they play some KLEE Rachelle, and I hope they play this song, Lament of the Highborn. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a great tune. Uh, musically, a couple things to point out is that uh, if you go back into the podcast and listen to the Cinderai excerpt, you're going to hear all this stuff um, related to this song. Um, so you're going to hear the choir, you're going to hear the harp, you're going to hear the tritones, you know, um, all of that stuff is uh, in both pieces. And it, it all, you know, this um, piece, Lament of the Highborn, uh, directly relates to the elves in the high elves. And um, again, this is just something that I love about this music, the continuity in the music. I wish we could legally play the whole thing. 
it's uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just... wish we could too. And um, you know, one thing about video games live, I saw video games live in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, a couple of years ago, and you know they played all kinds of stuff, not not just from World of Warcraft, but um, all different games. And at the very end of the concert, the conductor came out and for an encore, asked the crowd, what do you want us to play again? And the crowd erupted into World of Warcraft. Yeah. And, uh, well, first of all, it was it was great to hear that in a concert hall. You know, like... Yes, the, 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 I, yes I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a, I've talked about uh, classical music etiquette on other shows, that, and I hate it. But anyway... Um, and, uh, it, yeah, yeah. And, and again, here, the, uh, the language is being spoken again, once again, Thalassian. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Uh, you can actually read the lyrics to the song in the game. There's a book playing next to the character that sings this song for you and you can read the lyrics. Uh, it's more words than phrases. But uh, yeah, they really they really like this Thalassian language for this kind of stuff. Oh, it lends itself. It's a beautiful language, beautiful sounding, and it lends itself very well to musical setting and singing. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so we're at the end of our excerpts, um, and uh, I really, you know, look forward to what they do in the next expansion, Cataclysm. So. For those listening, uh, this is not the end of this music, not even close to the end of this music. Uh, this music is continuing to be written, to uh, continuing to evolve uh, and grow. And uh, very soon, that's within the next six months or so, um, we're going to hear whole other incarnations, new music to yet another uh you know, incarnation of the game. Yes, indeed. Uh, there, you know, there's with every new version of the game, they have composed more music than the last. So we're, uh, we have very, very high expectations. Mm -hmm. And, and this is a, this is a compositional group that has turned out music that, you know, has won every award that it can, you know, they they they've created music that's so good that there there's actually a box set of of blizzard music that isn't the original tracks it's uh it's redone by the the group eminence the eminence orchestra uh you know they you can you can find people that that find it uh, uh a good business to uh record blizzard's music all over again and uh, I just can't I can't say enough about how we're we're talking about we're listening to the the future of of classical of uh, and the future of orchestra. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so so much, Randy, for coming on the show, um, and you know entertaining a total stranger asking you to come on their podcast. I really, oh, yeah. I really, really appreciate it. And the listeners will really, really appreciate it. Um, can you tell the audience where they can find you, um, you know, outside of this podcast? Well, the home page for 
our World of Warcraft podcast, The Instance, is theinstance.net. And if you're uh, just really looking to spend more time with me every day, I Twitter daily, and my handle is Randy Deluxe. So that's twitter.com slash Randy Deluxe. All right. And again, listeners, check out FilmSack. It's awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, And uh, thank you again, Randy. And uh, I will be back after the interview is over to close out the show. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, look forward to hearing from you again soon. And that does it for my interview with Randy Jordan and all the cool parts number eight. Uh, I'd like to really thank Randy again for coming on the show and hopefully we can do this, uh, another show like it again sometime in the future. Uh, if you like the show, uh, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It would help us greatly in visibility and just, uh, getting the word out about the show and it would be much appreciated. Uh, you can... Look at the show notes at allthecoolparts.blogspot.com. You can email us at allthecoolparts at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Anthony Landman. You can go to my website at anthonylandman.com. And you can add me on Facebook if you want to. I'm going to leave you guys with... The main title music, the very end of it, from World of Warcraft, Wrath of the Lich King. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks a lot. Hey, performers, performing ensembles, and composers. All the Cool Parts podcast wants your music for All the Cool Parts Idol. If you're an emerging artist with a good quality recording and you'd like All the Cool Parts podcast to share it with the world, please email sound files and other details to allthecoolparts at gmail.com. Help me share your music with the world.
Hi, it's Randy. You've reached my Skype phone, which is the best way to reach me today. I just missed the call. Please leave a message, and I'll call you back as soon as possible. Thank you.